Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. This is Harriet Kimmick with Down to Earth. It's a show in which we talk about everyday matters. It was just yesterday I was giving a discourse on what we talk about, and it was amazing to me how people uh, <laughs> were asking questions about, well, what do you, you know, what's your podcast? And people were curious about how can I listen to you while I'm in the car, and how can I listen to you, and what do you talk about? People pray for me and believe for me and encourage me, I must say that I was very encouraged when I walked away from that conversation. It's not very often that you get a chance to go and speak to people and walk away feeling encouraged yourself, walk away feeling as if you've imparted or you've done something. But today I wanted to talk about something that I'm sure my listeners all over the world can relate to. And before I do that, I just want to say thank you to everybody. We have listeners primarily in the United States, but we also have listeners in Canada, and we also have listeners in Namibia, South Africa, Denmark, I'm trying to remember the countries offhand, Bangladesh, pretty much the world. (laughs) And I wanted to say a shout out to all of you. Thank you so much for joining in our podcast. We really do appreciate it. And thank you so much. I just want you to know that we know you're there and we are hearing and that you are listening. So I just wanted to say thank you to that. And I also wanted to say to those of you who continue to join us through this medium, uh, that you download and subscribe to our show. Download and subscribe. It helps us to keep our show on the air. As you know, we're a listener-supported broadcast, which means you get an opportunity to buy in. You get an opportunity to help us spread this news, to talk about the issues that matter, and you get an opportunity to tell others about what we're saying and what we're talking about. There are so many conversations that you could have today, and I'm so very grateful that you stopped by and you took the time out to hear what I have to say and to listen to what I have to say, and hopefully by the end of this conversation, it either encourages you or it changes your perspective or it gives you an additional way to look at another subject. So I thank you in advance for your support, and I look forward to being with you in many, on this broadcast and in other forums. Thank you so much. But something, a few weeks ago, I was in someone's car, and that doesn't happen very often, that I get a chance to scroll through my phone and to read articles of interest so often when I get a chance to read, I have to literally program myself to read. I, I have to schedule a time to read, right? And it's not very often nowadays. Um, I used to walk with my iPad a lot. <laughs> and then I felt like I was too connected, so I stopped. And then I realized that I go somewhere and I don't have anything to read. So recently I was in someone's car and I got a chance to read a New York Times article. I kid you not about a man 
uh, Adam Newman, who started a company called New WeWork. Anybody heard of it? Well, I, I read the article and I kept reading all the related links because I didn't know what this guy sold. I couldn't tell what gift, what product he sold. I kept saying, what does he do? He wasn't a motivational speaker. He was not an author. So he wasn't, what did he contribute? So I kept trying to understand why the media itself and the, and the New York Times in particular was so interested in what this guy has to say. I couldn't quite get it, and I still, <laughs> I still don't. So somebody's going to have to help me out a little bit. So my daughter, Alexandra, as you know, is a, is a recent law graduate. And so I turned to her. I'm like, what is this all about? You know, what do you know about this and what is this all about? And she said, I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) And she sent me a a link and started a conversation in our home about about, uh, failing up. I literally, if you hear her point of view, you literally, I had to ask, what is failing up? failing up. I'm like, how do you fail up? Because to me, if you fail, it's a downward spiral, right? So what is failing up? I am requiring, I I, I need to know. I I, I really couldn't understand it. So in listening to what she had to say and in reading the New York Times article, there were some things that became very, 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 very clear. And what became clear is that our society has a problem. Our society, as usual, we still have matters that we still have to work through. Now, the reason you're listening to me is because you like me, but you also like my ideas. Now, there are some people, some people of color, for whom racism apparently is not a problem. They have internalized racism to the point where they say it's not someone's problem it's your fault that racism happens to you. There are some people of color who make it seem like it doesn't happen to them and it's not your fault. Uh, so it, it doesn't really happen. Racism is just something made up and, oh, don't worry about it because I'm not one of those black persons or I'm not one of those brown persons who has a problem with racism. And that's okay. That's how they internalize it because in dealing with the systemic and endemic racism that exists in all spheres, that I guess that's how they cope. I guess that's how the best way they could cope. But I am the kind of person who I'm an observer of people. So I tend to sit back, stay back, and look at how does this play out. So I'm going to give you some background about this. So there's a concept called failing up. And I'm glad you asked what is failing up. I'm going to read to you what it is. The concept is this. Uh, Failing up is the ability to advance your cause despite uh, demonstrating mediocre talent. So my first thing was mediocre people don't get ahead. You have to be exceptional to stand out. And then people were like, no, there are mediocre people get ahead all the time. They're the ones who get picked out because they're the ones who seem to be the most malleable. So I said, well, if, they, if you stand out, then you're not mediocre. There must be something about you that makes you stand out. So you're either charismatic, 
charisma is a heck of a thing, isn't it? Charisma is almost a necessary ingredient. So they might have mediocre talent, but they have exceptional charisma. And it is that exceptional charisma that they can use to advance their cause. Right? Absolutely. So I'm going to give you the case of a guy named Adam Newman, who is the CEO and founder of a company called WeWork. Prior to reading this New York Times article, I had never heard of this company before. But in reading about it, it highlights a problem that exists in the diaspora. The problem that exists is one of such deeply entrenched racism that it's almost inconceivable that stuff like this could happen. This guy had this concept that he would create, he would acquire real estate space and he would rent it out to startup companies, and they could do create whatever workspace they want. So, you know, the idea in today's marketplace is that a workspace that is employee-driven, where it's kind of like a physical Facebook, kind of like a physical Twitter, a physical Instagram, where you are not confined by you must produce between eight and five, but you can talk about family, you can share pictures of family, and it's a more relaxed workspace. So you don't necessarily have to sit behind a desk. There are no walls. It's an open. So his idea was startups proliferate and thrive best in an environment where people are encouraged to think outside the box, where people are encouraged to explore their creativity. It's not a bad idea. It's a good idea. It's sort of how Donald Trump got started acquire real estate, get a lease, and then sublease it to other people. Not a bad idea at all. You're just like, wow, creative idea, make money on it, right? The problem with this guy is that he was so exceptionally charismatic that he could get, he began to have access to investors. And simply because he was white, he's he's from Israel, he was born in Israel, because he had access to investors, he kept climbing. People began to take notice of his ideas. He was very charismatic. So he would be invited to cocktail parties, and he could capture and dominate the room. So people wanted to be a part of what he was saying, right? People wanted to, you know, sort of like just cling to him because here he was. So he created this idea, and he rented out the Woolworth Building in New York. And he got investors, he got SoftBank of Japan, who primarily funds tech startups. Did you all know that? And the, 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 uh, the soft, SoftBank, in the, the owner, the owner's son, gave him a billion dollars, y'all. So this guy created an IPO on nothing. He didn't even own the building that his offices were in. And he created an IPO. It wasn't an app that you and I could say it improved our lives or changed our lives. It was just a real estate deal. He didn't buy it. He rented the spaces, and then he subleased it to other startups. And you are like, great idea. What's the means to it? So he got this investor to invest a billion dollars into his startup. He created an IPO, and in the IPO, he was devalued from $47 billion 
to $7 billion. I'm like, where did he even get, how did he even get to be a billion dollars? Listen to this. The deal he made with SoftBank was that he still, as the CEO and founder, he's still going to walk away, even though his company is declared bankruptcy. He's about to be bankrupt. He's facing federal lawsuits because he was a son of a tar to work with. He told one of his pregnant employees he used to, he had a private jet, even that. He has a lifestyle. After he signed the $1 billion deal, he rode up in Manhattan in a Maybach, in a chauffeur-driven Maybach car, you know what that is, right? Rolling in the big life, uh, blasting rap music. I kid you not, the things that you read about, this actually happened. Now, you and I are probably thinking of Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and Sergey and so on, who had they been given a billion dollars when they were starting up Facebook or Twitter, right? Or when they were starting up Yahoo or Google, can you imagine what a billion dollars would have done to them? They gave this guy who had no substantive idea, nothing to work with. It wasn't a product. It wasn't tangible. Facebook and Twitter and so on, did somebody present you with that idea, no matter where you were in the world, you could look at it and see that this is something that could mushroom if people in the world had access to the Internet. Let's face it, people in the U.S. had access to the Internet. That's all you needed. That was a viable market right there. That would sell the idea. But you look at him and this stupid idea that he had, and while it sounded feasible, how did he convince somebody to give him a billion dollars? Well, that's exactly the issue. He convinced an investor to give him $1 billion. So he's still going to walk away from the company that is now defunct. With Check this out. A billion dollars cash and $187 million in consulting fees. This is why the rest of us say failing up. So now they're saying he's a failure because his company has imploded. Well, he didn't have the right management skills. He didn't have people skills. He broke the laws in terms of how his, you know, he employed people. But that's not the issue. He failed up upwards of a billion dollars because he literally made a billion dollars, even though his company has imploded. That's my issue. But here's the thing. Before these people fail, that's why we say failing up only works for white males. Because before he failed, he got a chance to access funding for his startup. How many black and brown people are out there with ideas for a startup and can't get funding? Raise your hand. I'm raising mine. I have a startup. I have two startups. I'm starting up. Can't get funding. Not because of credit. They turn you down. They won't give you a line of credit. Downtown Detroit and Midtown Detroit is filled with white people who got a line of credit from Chase Bank and Royal Bank and every kind of bank there is to start something that you and I know in five, six months is not viable. There's so many, there's a yoga studio on every corner. There is a, 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 a juice bar on every corner. You and I know they're not going to last five years, but they got access to funding to start. That's what we call institutionalized endemic racism. And we have to, I feel that I have to talk about it. It might not be you. It's not for you. It's not for you. It's not for you, you know, because maybe this doesn't affect you or maybe you feel uncomfortable talking about it because you don't want to be pilloried or pointed out. But here's the thing. 
it is still what it is. It's racism. And I'm still at the end of this going to ask you for your support because if I were white and I had blue eyes, so I'm going to put in blue contacts or green. Which one you think would suit me best? Blue contacts or green contacts? I'm going to change my hair and get a, a total blonde wig and put in blue or green contacts. And people are going to assume that I'm white. Earlier this year, in, in winter, when I first started streaming, People from all over the world thought I was white. Do you know how many views I got? I got um, hundreds of views. They thought I was white. The more they realized that I'm not white was the more they disappeared. Think about that. And there are some black people who are going to say, well, you know, but what they're not, what they don't want to talk about it because, you know, it makes them uncomfortable. And they're like, well, I made my millions from kicking football. I made my millions from basketball. I made my millions. Yeah, because you were still part of the stereotype that if you're black, your job is to entertain us. So yeah, they're going to pay you because they want you to entertain them. So I am informing and they're like, that's not the job of a person of color. You don't inform us. You don't have the intellectual capability to inform us. So a black inventor, you don't have the intellect that is capable of creating something that I can use. That is exactly the problem. That is institutionalized endemic racism. And that's the racism that black and brown graduates from college face. Because now the college has given you a certificate saying that you have studied in this, you are qualified in this. And the white, the white society is saying, we're not going to accept that. I don't care which college gives it to you. You're still not better than the white person just because of the color of the skin. This guy, Adam Newman, had no, had no idea. He had nothing. And I, there are, are many uh, stories and examples of how white men fail up, and it's no big deal. But before they fail up, they succeeded because he succeeded at a track. You know, the, what is the other prominent example of white people failing up? Elizabeth Theranos. Remember her? How on God's green earth she came up with an idea. She didn't invent anything. She came up with an idea that she was going to, and she sold it to Walgreens. How she got a chance to access the folks at Walgreens to carry out her, her testing and so on. Turns out she was not the developer of the idea. And she got people at the upper echelon of the society and got investors to invest in her program. Then afterwards, they said she failed. But she got a chance to succeed first. How? Institutionalized endemic racism. And we've got to talk about this because if we're ever going to move forward, we have to face the ugly that is within us. We have to talk about our own uh, disgusting ideas as disgusting as it might be to us, but we have to confront our own biases, our own prejudices that exist within us. You are interviewing candidates for a job, and a black person, a brown person, or whatever color, as long as they are non-white, let's just say a non-white person, presents themselves, and you scorn them because of how you've been socialized. No matter how great they are, you are still thinking at the back of your mind, all they're supposed to do is produce a rap video holding their groin 
and yo, 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 and smoking weed and calling women bitches. And if she's a woman, well, all she's good for is for you to look at her booty and she's to bow down before you because that's all she's good for. And you don't want to touch her. And if you're a white woman, you definitely want to prove to her that you have the upper hand. This is why you don't see many white women on my broadcast, because they're offended that I dare, as a woman of color, come and talk with authority about these issues. They don't want to pay for that. They don't want to see that, because at the back of their minds, young or old, they're thinking, that is supposed to be what I do. I can't begin to tell you how many times I go out and people say stuff like that to me. I should be doing that. I can do that. You never knew you could do that till I show up. But you think that it is your right of way. You see what I'm saying? Food for thought, isn't it? How many of you are on this broadcast this morning? Well, one, two, three, about 20 of you, if I'm lucky, right? About 20 of you. Okay. When you are done with this broadcast, share this. Matter of fact, tweet somebody. Tell them to watch this. Keep repeating it and retweeting this. Because this is a conversation that we must talk about. Failing up is only works for people who are, non, who are white. It doesn't work for non-white. Because first, you have to have access to the funding to get your program or your startup off. I'm not going to lie to you. I really didn't think that I was going to be faced with the kind of racism that I have encountered in getting my startup off the ground. I didn't think it would be so exponentially out there. But the kind of racism that I've encountered from white women, sometimes, for the, I'll tell you the honest truth, it, it, it required great discipline for me not to slap at people and not to talk back to people. I had to conduct myself within the modicum of decency because I would be falling into a microaggression that is a stereotype of what people of color are. This society is as racist as it comes. It is what it is. And I know that there are people who are, everybody who is white is not racist. But for many people, many of us who are black and brown and getting a program off the ground, we are confronted with racism. It is what it is. There are all kinds of stereotypes. For instance, if I were to come on and say, I'm going to talk about sex, and I'm going to talk about people having sex, my timeline would be filled with people because they've stereotyped me that that's all I should talk about. I am to denigrate my self, my humanity, and talk only about sex and show off my body. One guy once told me to show him, I I am to give him a peep show and show him my breast. I kid you not. Because he thinks that, that he literally said on my timeline that that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to talk about the issues that matter. I'm supposed to only be confined and stay in my limited realm of talking about sex. (laughs) Isn't that something? So failing up, the concept of it only applies to white people. Only a white person can go to school 
and then come up with an idea. First of all, you get a chance to go to school in the first place. Secondly, you can come up with an idea and you get access to funding like all these myriad anywhere in America today. Walk into any uh, midtown or any urban area and you'll see some form of gentrification taking place. As soon as white people come in, they get access to, to mortgages that colored people who have been living in those areas for decades can't get. All of a sudden, they get a mortgage that can pay, redecorate and re-renovate the buildings that they want to buy. Next thing you know, there are like 100 million yoga studios. There are hundreds of juice bars and other, you know, current trendy uh, forms to eat, none meat, none this, none that, all kinds of stuff. They get access to loans. And then before you know it, now some brown people are moving in who get their families to co-sign on a loan or so on and give them some startup cash. But they don't get the following. And their families are going to continue. There's one woman in, in Detroit. Uh, she has a company called the Detroit Cookie Company. Her husband helped her get off the ground. She was working in PR and couldn't get anywhere. Why would she get anywhere? She's a woman of color. So I guess she began to see the writing on the wall that no matter how good, no matter how talented she was, she wasn't going to get where she was. Sometimes people don't always speak up and tell you the real reason because this is so, and their families will tell you, don't talk about it. It doesn't make sense. You don't want to alienate anybody and so on. Those are all forms of microaggression. It's kind of like how the, 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 the slave owners used to do it. They push it on you and then tell you, you dare to talk about it. How dare you talk about it? We're not going to help you. It's, they still have those little councils where a group of four men go in a room or a group of seven men or a group of ten men, and they go in a room and they decide whom they're going to help, whom they're going to support. And if your name is not on the list, well, sucks to be you. They know exactly how the system is structured because they are the system. They set it up. They designed it. They perpetuate the system. So it sucks to be you. You're going to become a victim of the system. And then they use terms like marginalize to marginalize you. They push you out of the mainstream. A few weeks, ago, a few days ago, I was in at a round table in Flint, uh, and they were talking about uh, it wasn't. It was a Department of Energy sponsored event. But there was a, a gentleman there from the uh, the Flint Water and Sewage Department. And this gentleman uh, was talking about how water in Flint had become an affordability issue. And he was explaining why. He said power, energy to move the motors, chemicals, the cost of chemicals to treat the water, and labor, the cost of labor. Then somebody else said aging infrastructure. So So I asked the question, why has water affordability become an issue? And something that everybody is aware of is that the people who run these systems are white. And in a lot of urban areas through the country, this has become a problem where people through generations of not being able to work and turning to drugs, drugs are more available and more accessible and more affordable than it is to buy healthy food to eat in most communities across the country. You do know this. That's not 
That's by design. That's not an accident. And so people have less money to spend on the things they need, like fresh water, clean water, access to clean water. And the people who run these systems divert the funds to their own pet projects that they tell their friends to go apply to get a grant. So they divert the funds that have been provided by the federal government, by the state government, to fix the aging infrastructure. They divert the funds and create their own pet projects so their friends can benefit. And then the agent, the problem still exists within the water. And the delivery of fresh, clean water. And then they tell colored people, you don't try hard enough. You're not doing enough. Does that sound familiar? That's.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.